This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 379. And the quote of the day is, sometimes our lives have to be completely shaken up, changed, and rearranged to relocate us to the place we're meant to be. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here. I hope you're well. And if you are new to the podcast, you're just checking out, you can find all of these episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, at drummersresource.com. And they're all there. They're all free. You can download them, take them on the go, uh, whatever you need to do with them. And if you would, just share them with your friends. If you dig it and you think that other people will get some value out of it, then do me a favor, share it with your friends, leave a rating review on iTunes, all that fun stuff. And let me give you something. If you want to join the mailing list and you want to get my Monday mix, and my Monday mix is a list of the latest podcasts that come out, some stuff that I'm reading, some stuff that I'm watching, some book recommendations, all that sort of stuff, new music. And I have a Spotify playlist, so I'm adding music to that playlist every Monday. So if you want to get that, of course, it's 100% free. Just go to drummersresource.com forward slash mix, M-I-X, and you can get that drummersresource.com forward slash mix, and it'll be all that stuff delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning. And now that that is all out of the way, let's get into the conversation with my man, Charlie Hall. And Charlie is the drummer for the War on Drugs. If you haven't heard the War on Drugs, they are making waves out there in the world. And the band is from Philadelphia. He, Charlie is not originally from Philadelphia, but he is there now, and which is really cool for me. You know, I, I'm from Philadelphia, so I always love talking to people who are from there, who are living there at the time, who have lived there, whatever the case may be. And Charlie fits into that category. And this conversation is really great. We talk a lot about getting into a new band. We talk about, you know, learning the tunes. We talk about how the dynamic works inside of a band to make sure that, you know, you're doing the things that need to be done. You're not overstepping your your boundaries. And this doesn't this doesn't necessarily matter whether you're in a huge band or you are playing in a local band. A lot of the stuff that, that we talk about in this episode can be taken and applied to the stuff that you're doing with the bands that you're playing in. So really solid information, and I'm just happy to get them on here. We have a really great conversation. So without further ado, let's get into it with the War on Drugs, Charlie Hall. Charlie, what's happening, my man? Not much. Just uh, sitting here looking at uh, what I'm told is a bomb cyclone. Something, a nor'easter that turned, that morphed into a bomb cyclone. Are you getting snow? I mean, yeah. It looks like snow. It's pretty intense. Really? I, I don't really even know what a nor'easter is or what a bomb cyclone is, but I know that they both sound very, very cool, and I have no interest in going outside at the moment. <laughs> the bomb cyclone is something new. The bomb cycle, that's a new thing. That's like, first time I ever heard that was this year. Yeah, there was that one like a month ago. Yeah. And I know I should know what a nor'easter is. I just know it's like a big storm, but there's probably some technical technical thing that makes it a nor'easter as opposed to just a giant storm. I lived on the East Coast my whole life until last year, and I don't know what a nor'easter is, so. Okay, good. I don't feel so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of uh, speaking of the East Coast, so you're in, you're in my old stomping grounds. You're in you're in Philadelphia. When did you move there? Like I moved here in uh, the in autumn of two thousand three. Two thousand three. So I yep. want to, and I know that that the war on drugs is from the Philadelphia area. I want to talk about how that whole thing started, but I want to rewind a little bit and build some context for for the people who are listening. Um, you're originally from the East Coast, right? Where were you born? Yep. Where were you born? I was born in Providence, Rhode Island. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then I grew up mostly in Connecticut, uh, like outside New York City mm-hmm. uh, with my with my mom. And then, yeah, was in Virginia for college and then uh, San Francisco and then Philadelphia. So when you were growing up, from what I've read, you were playing a bunch of different different instruments. You started, you know, you weren't necessarily just a drummer. Mm-hmm. You you played guitar, you played piano, you played you played drums. Um, mm-hmm. How much of that do you think now goes into your playing, and how much do you think that has benefited you? Well, I I'd like to think that it uh, has sort of made me, you know, the drummer that I am. Because in a sense, 
you know, being being in a band is just all about communication and um, understanding, you know, what what everyone else is doing. And I think that you know, having a having an understanding of of all of the different instruments is 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 pretty crucial um, in terms of you know, both in terms of when you're working stuff out and trying to get there and talking about you know how to approach a song, you know, whether it's writing or whether it's trying to figure out how to how to translate something that's been recorded into a, you know, four or five, six piece band. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that those conversations are, are really interesting. That's a really interesting part of the process for me. You know, it's just kind of trying to figure out um, how to apo- approach playing a song. So sure. uh, I think the, the, the more that you can understand what, what everyone else is getting into, the easier it is to kind of, kind of get there together. Mm-hmm. And what got you into playing music in the first place? Well, I think it's probably being the youngest in my, you know, like having older siblings. Like I have an older brother and sister who um, are about like ten and twelve years older than me, actually. So mm-hmm. they were they were they were deep into their, you know, kind of classic rock and you know new wave phases when I was really little. So it was just sort of always around, um, and that's where it came from for me because like our, my parents are older, so like pop music wasn't really even a thing from you know from them like they they listened to you know some classical music and stuff but my it was my brother and sister that were you know in the you know at the end of the 70s early 80s you know listening to you know my brother was in his middle school classic rock phase and I was you know five and so I kind of just like grew up on on Zeppelin and and the Who and 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 that stuff the and my sister was related thing, to the cars and stuff like that. And of course, you're—I would imagine because I did the same thing. Like my brother and my sister are both older than me, and whatever they were into, I was into. So they started listening yeah. to this band. I started listening. My brother started skateboarding. I was like, "Well, I—I I went to skate." My brother started playing drums. I started playing drums, and I don't. I'm trying to think of what band, like what band was the first band that I found that was like on my own. I love that. I think that's I. I, I can. I can think of two for me, I, and I think that's a, it's a really interesting question, you know, because like, yeah, for sure, I was like, I just whatever they did, I did. Like, I just whatever my brother was into, I was into, mm-hmm. you know. And then like, I have a vivid memory actually of like when when he came home, and I had bought a Pink Floyd record, and he was like, "What's this? Like, this is this is trash." I was, <laughs> I was like. It's like, what do you mean? You know, but he just didn't, I mean, and he, he likes Pink Floyd fine, but that like, wasn't his thing. Right. And like, that was like the first thing that was kind of like mine, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. you too a little bit too. Right. Cause he, he was like by, by the mid eighties, he was like knee deep in like an REM talking heads, Elvis Costello thing. And so Mm -hmm. you too, you too was kind of my own thing. And then, you know, Pink Floyd and the dead were kind of like, those were like the first things that I like, wasn't copying him on. Right. Right. What, yeah, was, what was yours? I, you know what, man? I don't know. I like my brother's such a musicologist, and like I'm always like, "Oh, have you ever heard of these people?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course." Like I, li- I have all five of their records or whatever. And I'm like, "How oh, much older? Shit. How much uh, older is he's he?" He's six years older. So he was he was born in '74. I was born in '81. Okay, yeah, I was born in '74. Oh, okay, so um, I, I honestly, man, I don't, I don't know. Man, it'd be hard. It's hard for me to. I think some of the some of the jazz stuff for me, like, uh, I mean, not like Miles Davis, but I think getting into like when I like getting into Coltrane and and getting, yeah, like, same getting same. heavy into that stuff. I don't. I think that I was. I got there. I got there before my brother, and I don't even know if now. I mean, he loves. He likes jazz. Like he's not. You know, mm-hmm. my, he likes everything. Like he, he'll put on everything, anything from like you know Jay Z to to you know to miles davis and everything in between right so but i don't think that he's not as well versed in you know in coltrane or in duke ellington or you know Mm -hmm. art blakey and you know and the jazz messengers or or, or stuff like that so i think that was kind of my thing that does uh, he play an instrument uh yeah he plays drums oh cool yeah so um yeah, it's just it's just it's it's a funny thing when you when you're going down that path and you're like, well, you like this, so I guess I'll like that too. Mm-hmm, and then when mm-hmm. you find that one thing, it's like it's this victorious moment where you're like, this is mine and I own this now and this is let me hip you to this. And that's a it's a cool thing. So how does that work having two kids playing drums in the same house? It sounds like a nightmare. Do you, were there were there two kits 
or did you guys share a kit? So he, so I didn't start playing drums until I was 15. Oh, wow. Okay. And so my brother was a lot older than me. And right. So he was already kind of out of the house. He was, so let me think. I was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. I th- you know what he he moved out of the house and I remember he moved back and and he was there for like a year or something and he had a drum set there but then when he moved out again uh yeah because it was like college time right so yeah, he was yeah. like it was it was just finishing up with college so uh he when he moved out he took the drums with him and I'm like now now what mm-hmm. am I gonna do this is how cool of a brother he was he was like well let's go to the music store and you can buy a drum set and I'm like well I don't have you know money to buy a drum right. set I'm 15 years old. And he was right. like, well, here's what we'll do. There's this, you can go to this music store and you can get a loan to buy the drums and I'll co-sign for the loan as long as you promise that you'll pay it every month. And Dude. so he co-signed for it and I went in like a kid in a candy store and was like, I want this and went this and went this and spent $2,300 Holy shit. on drums. And, uh, and I got the loan and I paid it off. Like he financed, a, he financed my so first cool. record, like- he used to bring me. He used to bring me to the to the music store. You know, remember you would go like Monday nights at midnight because the record was coming yep, out on yep. Tuesday. You know, yep. I was young. He would bring me when I was like 13, 14, 15 years old, and like bring me right. with his friends. And he was a, he's he's a pretty cool older brother. You know, he was always that's like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. My my brother did a similar thing when I moved to San Francisco um, to get to get this uh, set of Ludwig's. He uh, he loaned me the or he he bought them and i would send him a check every month uh till till i paid him back nice Nice. same thing and you think about those things that you know at the time you're just like oh this is pretty cool but looking back you're like holy shit man like that was that was really amazing i wouldn't have i wouldn't have been able to get this drum because my parents were going to buy me a drum set you know or they may they may have i don't know um it was like you know what i was like my drums were back east like what am i gonna do like ship ship my drum set out right. or like, you know, so he like, and plus, so, you know, he helped me get like a smaller, you know, kind of bop kit. Mm. Is he, does he play too? No, but he's a, he's just a huge music fan. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. like, um, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't play. He plays a little guitar. So they like, you know, he, he had a guitar under his bed, but he never really played it. So that's how I like, you know, we had a piano around the house. That's how I learned how to play piano and then you know he had a guitar and nobody was using it so i just taught myself how to play that mm-hmm. so that was like you know there were always instruments around right. fortunately that's how i um so and would you I, say how many years older do you say 10 he's yeah nine years older than me yeah so he i mean as you're growing up he's he's out of the house but when you were younger were you were you the artistic one i mean i was more of like uh the singing monkey you know he would like <laughs> you know Give me a give me a quarter and to you know <laughs> right. sing sing you know kiss songs for his friends you know when I was four right or like you know to play like honky tonk woman on the drums when I was you know eight you know very whatever it was <laughs> you were the entertainment at the time yeah I was the, the free was entertainment the, the, the singing monkey <laughs> so when you when you decided you were going to go off to college and everything, we're bouncing around a bit, but that's what I do that's because, cool. because I'm scatterbrained and questions pop up. Um, were you thinking? Were you were you thinking that you were going to pursue music? Is this what is this what you wanted to do? I mean, I think I knew that like music was going to be a part of my life for sure, forever in some capacity. I didn't know exactly like what shape that would take, and you know, for many years it was um, kind of part of my life while I was also like teaching, working in schools and stuff like that, gigging at night. Mm-hmm. And I liked it that way. You know what I mean? Like, I was going to ask you about that because that's a, and sorry to cut you off, but there's, no. we talk about that a lot on the podcast where people, you know, my whole thing is like, I want to change the narrative of what it means to be a successful drummer. Right. So you don't have to like, you don't have to be on tour. You don't have to only do it full time to be, you know, successful no. or be a professional or whatever it is. And you seem like the type of guy that, you could be teaching and playing on the weekends or you could be playing yeah. full time in war on drugs and not teaching. And, you know, and either way you're sort of like, yeah, that's, that's cool with me. Yeah. I mean, music is, you know, music's been a part of my life since I could remember, you know, walking and that's like how, you know, I just, I feel like that's how we build relationships with each other. And it's like, it's, it's both, you know, it's entertainment, but it's also like a communication mm-hmm. tool and it's all, it's, it's an art form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like whether it's you know whether it's your full time job or just you know something that you work at on your own or something that you do you know 
on weekends, whatever. Like it's doesn't does that none of that matters really. I mean, it's it's about like the ex, your experience with music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I totally I totally agree with you on that front. I mean, it wasn't something like I never I didn't like necessarily set out for like music to be the only thing that I do. Honestly, because you know, I kind of liked I like I think it's nice having balance, you know, and mm-hmm. and in in some respects like you know, for, for a long time, like music was something that would like, you know, kept me away from the ATM or like, you know, it was like (laughs) extra, extra dough. Right. Like, you know, it was like bonus, but you know, like having, you know, having another, another life too was, was, was really cool and sort of threading that needle. I mean, you know, get old, you know, grading papers at like midnight at a, you know, jazz club uh, between sets. But, (laughs) uh, you know, um, I think that, yeah, I mean, music is, is just a beautiful thing that we have to sort of help us make sense of, you know, the world. So it's, if, what's your yeah. take on this? I, from what I've read and what I've listened to about you is that you, in, you, it, you loved school when you were growing up. Um, mm-hmm. you always, you always sort of saw yourself as, as more of a teacher, less of a, less of a musician, more of a teacher. Mm-hmm. And that, so you figured, okay, teaching would be a natural progression for me because I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I, from f- what I'm thinking is, okay, the punchline is if you're going to play drums part-time and you're going to have a full-time gig, like a full-time day gig, you got to do something yeah. that you love, right? Right. You can't be like, or at least that you enjoy. You can't be like, yeah, yeah. you can't be like, oh my God, I fucking hate my job so much and I can't wait to get out of there and then just get home. And, and the only joy I have in my life is playing drums. And I think oh, that yeah. if, if you can, I, I think the reason why people are so hell bent on like, I just want to play drums full time is because they hate their fucking jobs. That's yeah, man. You know? I, I, yeah. And there were this like this fantasy that like, yeah, if I just play drums, like, you know, if I just only play drums, like everything would be great. It's like, well, then that becomes your job, right. you know? Right, but I mean, you know, whatever. I love yes. my job now. So. No, but it's the truth. <laughs> I'm I'm grateful grateful to have the opportunity to um to just focus on playing drums. But but I think that people don't realize that like everything, no matter what you're doing, becomes a grind. Yeah, it's a hot. You know, you got to hustle know. and right. Yeah, right. There was a um, and I'm gonna butcher it, but I was I was reading this article and the guy's first name is Naval and I forget his last name. He actually he's the CEO of. of Angel List, which is a – we don't need to go into it, but he, he's the CEO of this company and he, I was listening to an interview with him and he was saying that the moment that you start attaching your happiness to an outcome, it puts you in this vicious cycle that you're never going to get to, right? So you're basically just setting yourself up for like eternal heartache where you're wow, like – Wow, that's, that's pretty deep. Where, you know, and of the idea of, you know, if, if, I, if I play drums full time, then I'll be happy. If I have right. more money, then I'll be happy. If I right. date this person, then I'll be happy. And it's like right. you got to be happy first because if you're gonna you if you're miserable now and you start playing drums full time, you're gonna be miserable then. Right. Well, you always want just a little more than what you have, right? <laughs> of and that's like, if only my double stroke roll was just a little better. Everything <laughs> a little would be cool. bit better. Or like you know, if I had just a little more money, everything would be better. You know. Exactly. It's always just you always just want that next little thing. Yeah. Exactly. I uh, I don't know why this made me think of this, but I got misquoted in this article one time, and the guy was asking about you know what I want out of music, and I was like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "I want a Bentley and a private jet," and I was like, "I'm just kidding." I was like, "But what I really want is this," <laughs> and I told I was like, "You know, this has nothing to do with with money or anything." I was like, "You know," and I went on to explain it. So what does he do? He takes all of that out and just puts that I want a Bentley and a private jet out oh, of music, and nice. I'm like, "Come on, dude," you know. <laughs> Not that I would be mad if there was one in my driveway. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. Uh, but it wouldn't make it wouldn't make me happy. So um, right. So if if you if there's people now who are in a position where maybe they're not playing full time and mm-hmm. and they either have these dreams to do it or they think that it's the end all be all. Do you have advice for that? Do you have advice either for an approach of 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 how you approached it or because I I just feel like for you it was just everything it was a natural progression. You weren't like yeah, it was a very natural progression. I mean, I I think that you know. Um, Did you set out to do it full time? No, I didn't. You know that that's I guess what I was sort of getting at. I mean, I'm I'm grateful that that's the way 
things turned out and you know I wouldn't change a single thing but I feel like every everything I've done in life up until this point has pre- sort of prepared me for this you know right. like um and I mean that in like as many or more non drumming non even musical ways mm-hmm. you know certainly you know all of my different experiences playing different types of music and stuff has prepared me from a drumming standpoint but also just you know working in a restaurant has mm-hmm. prepared me for understanding, you know, human dynamics and, you know, like all that, or, or, you know, teaching school or working at, you know, working in mentoring programs at Big Brothers Big Sisters, like mm-hmm. all that stuff has like sort of made me who I am and prepared me to sort of navigate, you know, this life, you know, of, mm-hmm. of traveling and, and of, you know, working closely with a group of people, which is, you know, like, which is a team. Um, and there's dynamics and there's interpersonal, you know, we've got like 13, 14 people, like band and crew, mm-hmm. basically, you know, that we travel with. So, you know, it's like, it's a, it's an operation and there's, you know, there's official and unofficial sort of, uh, you know, we all have like our roles, you know, that right. we need to play and, and sort of making sure we're taking care of each other and, um, taking care of ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, so I just feel like everything I've done in life has kind of prepared me for this. And not only that, in the situation that you're in, that you're playing for free, you're getting paid for the 23 hours that you're not on stage. Yeah, you know? yeah that's, it's true. I mean, you know, it's hard being away from family and, and home. So mm-hmm. that's definitely, you know, that's definitely part of, I feel like that's what I'm getting paid for. Yeah. And inside of that dynamic of Thir- like you said, 13, 14 people, if you can't get along with people or you don't know how to communicate or you're, you know, you, you're not, you can't go with the flow or you're, you're, you're not a team player or whatever the case is, it's yeah, either going to be really difficult for you and everyone else, or you're going to be out of a job. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's my long winded way of maybe like what, what I might say to somebody who's like thinking about that, you know, it's like, just think, think about like how you, how you interact with, with people and how you treat others. You know, like how, how you communicate and, and, you know, that's, I think that's, that's the important stuff. And, and those, every little decision that you make in life and every, every, you know, person you meet, like they all, all those things are intertwined and lead, lead to, you know, who knows what. Yeah. That's such a intangible thing that people talk about all the time. And they ask, I get, I get hundreds of emails about it all the time where it's like, how do you network with people? How do you meet people? How do you... You know, how do you interact with people? Yeah. I'm like, I don't just, I'm just, I just talk to them, right? Mm-hmm. And I just meet people and develop relationships with them. And that's, and right. I had a conversation with a guy the other day and he was like, I'm pretty shy. I don't, and he was like, I don't really know what to say to them. I said, here's what you should do. I said, you should go get a gig bartending. And yeah. I'm like, even if it's a day a week and you will learn very quickly how to have a conversation with someone. You know? That's, that's, it's, yeah, it's very like bap- true. Baptism by fire. But what, what's yeah. your approach? Like you move, I want to talk about your time in San Francisco, but you, well, mm-hmm. let's talk about it because we can use it in either case, Philadelphia or San Francisco. So you moved to San Francisco. Yeah. I'm guessing you don't have a network there. No, I didn't know a soul. Well, I knew one, I knew one, I knew a, a friend who was two years older than me, who I had gotten interested in San Francisco because of, um, and I'd gone out to visit him. So I literally like my, my wife and I, you know, she's my wife now at the time, she's my girlfriend. Right. We, 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 you know, worked, worked a couple months after, after college was over, saved up enough money to get across the country, pay first month's rent. But I mean, dude, it was crazy out there at the time. I mean, it was the summer of 1996. Oh, wow. And it was kind of like, you know, the uh, the cover of every like weekly was like, you know, get out, you know, or it was just like all about like the, the, the housing, like how everyone was just moving. I mean, it's pre like dot com boom, but it was like, it was definitely like the gold rush time. Like everyone was moving to town. Like we would go look at these apartments. I mean, we didn't have anything and we didn't know anyone. We knew, like I said, this one person and we'd like show up to look at this dump in the tenderloin and there are like 50 people outside with rental resumes and like dough. And like, we were like, oh my God, nobody's ever going to rent to us. That's insane. You know? 
It was nuts. And but you know, he he was like And now his, apartments are like six grand a month. You know? Oh yeah, it's it's crazy for nothing. But we, you know, thankfully, like the, his boss, like let us say that we worked at his rest. You know, he worked in a restaurant at the time, so the chef was like, "Yeah, you can say you work here." Like, I don't even know how we would have gotten a place if this dude hadn't been like, "Yeah, say you work at my restaurant," and wow. then like, so we had something to, yeah. I mean, I'm sure our parents both thought we were total idiots, <laughs> right. but um, you know, everything. It was a it was a wonderful time, and that's you know, we became we became adults out there and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like learned, uh, sort of how to, yeah, how to, how to sort of be an adult. (laughs) So how did you start connecting with people to play? Because I think that's such a common thing that people are like, well, either they move to a new town or like they, or they're just in their own town and they're like, man, I just can't, I can't connect with people. I mean, I I just vividly, I could trace it all back to this. You know, I worked at, I worked at a, so I got a job at first at Tower Records. I was working at a record store and then Mm -hmm. I was, you know, spending my entire paycheck there. Yeah. So I got, so I got a restaurant job. I almost just spent my whole life savings at Amoeba Records the other day. Okay. I was like, man, I could be in here for 10 hours. And I was like, just here, here's my credit card and just, I'll, you know, geez. So I was working at Tower, Tower Records in North Beach and then I got a job at a restaurant and, um, that's, I mean, I just remember vividly this um, woman that worked there is like, oh, my friend's got a gig, like he needs a drummer. Um, so he called me for the gig. You know what I mean? It was like a quintet thing. You know, it was like typical, just three, you know, like all night, you know, playing standards and whatever. And I was so green and I like, you know, kind of, I, you know, I knew like a bunch of tunes, but I was definitely also, and not, like I knew how to swing, but mm-hmm. you know, I was just like, I mean, I was a child, you know? <laughs> um, but like, you know, like did the gig and like the last, I just remember it, like the last tune we were playing, what were we playing? Like Afro blue or something. I don't know, like something and it just clicked and it felt great. And then like, you know, he, the dude called me back, like, you know, for like another, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it turned into weekly but but it was just like that first gig it was like a random you know somebody that i worked with was like you know needed friend needed a drummer in a pinch right otherwise otherwise like i don't know like i would have like started going around like sitting in like jam sessions and been totally nervous and and like you know like i don't know i just i I just i don't know i i think there's so there's very little value to most jam sessions yeah i mean i think a lot I've, of the times it's i've like, never really been you know i've never really been in that world so mm-hmm. i i can't really speak to it but i mean i guess that's you know even when like when i moved to philly it was like i only knew, knew a couple folks like you know this guy chuck trees who's a great drummer oh i love chuck and uh oh, he's amazing and i yeah. i played with tommy guerrero for a long time so oh, i was like you? you know i was like playing chuck's parts a lot you mm-hmm. know because a lot of a lot of what i was playing was like stuff that he recorded so but anyway chuck was like yeah mondays like go down to this you know whatever mickey roker's night at this place and then yeah. go down to this thing at this place and i'm just like what's the place what's the diner the one at the diner um silk city, silk city. or yeah. yeah and then there was ort leaves at the time and chris's jazz i don't mean, you know it's just all these things like i also just don't really have the like self-confidence for that kind of thing you no. know what i mean like no i mean i i do like you know, I think I have a, I have that self confidence in some ways, like maybe socially, but like, yeah, no, like showing up to like a heavy duty, like you know, jazz jam session right, thing, where right. it's like a bunch of hot shots, like doing doing whatever they're doing. Like, I don't know, that's not really, it's not really me. You do know what st- I mean? Like, I'm just not like, I'm not like that that dude. Do they still do the one at what's it called, Bob's and Barbers? Bob and Barbers. I don't know. They might. They had that band there forever that organ trio that was killer what were they called the crowd pleasers or something yeah so i used to go i used to do that open that thing all the time really all, yeah i would go in and play it was like i love that but that band's vibe was great and oh what the the drummer's um uh lefty thompson oh i don't know him yeah or lucky thompson lucky thompson lucky Tom- that sounds right yeah, yeah, yeah lucky was playing and uh, Rich Bedessa used to, Rich Bedessa was the organ player who played on my record. And anyway, long story. Oh, cool. I, but I was just thinking about that. But they're it's like they're intimidating, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I even mean, 
even at your like even when you like at your level you you you're still intimidated by it or or is it not or you're just like I don't have the I don't have the I don't know to hang I mean these guys have been doing it for 40 years I just I I guess I'm like I feel really confident in some ways you know musically like right. as a drummer there's like certain things that I feel like you know yeah I mean I've been playing drums for like four you know whatever I'm gonna be 44 this year I've basically been playing drums for 40 years you know right so like I'm so, I'm definitely like not saying I can't play drums but you know, not having gone to like conservatory and like ever right. on it, frank, frankly, like even taking lessons, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, there's so much that I'm, that I have to learn and, um, and that's, and I'm having, you know, I enjoy putting it together, you know, myself and, and, uh, I think it's really cool what you're doing. And I think that it's one of the things okay. that I really appreciate about, about the drumming community is just like, you know, I feel like, I have, I have friends that I call a lot for like ideas and just to bounce ideas off to, you know, like for like when I'm trying to like, for example, right now, like I've got a month off of touring, you know, so I'm like, you know, want to try to push myself and, you know, crack open some new, some new ideas. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's like, I, I feel like, um, I really appreciate like drummers that share that are into like sharing and, and, um, you know, being generous with their, um, with their thoughts and mm-hmm. with their time. I think it's, I think it's just a, a really cool thing. I mean, not that it's like necessarily unique to drummers, but I do think that there's like, I think drummers do it more than anybody else. Yeah. I think there is something in our community that's very cool like that. And, and it's something that, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, be a part of and on both sides, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I appreciate when people reach out to me to ask me like, Oh, like, you know, whether it's like a, a gear thing or like what records, you know, are you into? Like, I, you know, what's something that I should check out that's inspiring to you? And, you know, I love that. And I, I, I always love talking to people about that kind of thing. Do you know why when you tune a drum, you're supposed to go diagonal across the drum? That's because your drum is flawed. I hate to break it to you, but your drum is flawed because of the way that the edge is the typical edge doesn't allow the drum head to sit on it properly so when you tighten down one lug it causes the drum head to shift and pop up on the other side that's why you have to tune it diagonally but now with the new sonic clear edge from mapex that's a thing of the past the sonic clear edge allows the head to sit flush so it promotes ease of tuning increased shell resonance and optimal tonal clarity so you're going to have to do a lot less work and get a lot greater sound. To learn more about the Sonic Clear Edge, go to mapexdrums.com. You may sit at the back of the stage, but the band revolves around you. You set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans drum heads with Level 360 technology. Thanks to Level 360 technology, Evans drum heads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find the sweet spot. Plus, they take you way beyond the normal tuning ranges so you can get higher highs and lower lows. Now, the sound you want will always be the sound that you get. Check them out and learn more by going to evansdrumheads.com. Now let's get back into it with Charlie Hall. Where do you think your strengths lie as a drummer? I mean, I guess drumming's all about feel, but I mean, um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, um, you know, my pocket and maybe my, my sense of, uh, maybe like internal clock mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and, uh, what else? I think that something that I, I really strive for is like, um, sort of threading this needle and it's something that is, you know, uh, especially, you know, like with the war on drugs, like it's kind of like, it's a balance between like holding it down, uh, you know, with, with the rhythm section, like with, with the bass, especially like, and keeping it, keeping things almost in a, in a sort of like kraut world, but at the same time, like putting feeling into it and, mm-hmm. and injecting. So I'm, I, I, I think that, you know, putting, putting feeling into, something that's like pretty linear on one level, but like also like with, with a lot of emotion on, on another level, mm-hmm. I think is something that I've worked on a lot or uh, that I've found myself, um, you know, doing, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, and I don't know, you know, I mean, just, uh, 
I think, you know, being, uh, going back to what we were talking about before, I mean, honestly, like being able to like communicate about, you know, um, chords and harmony and, you know, as much as being able to communicate about rhythm right. is, is something that will make any, any drummer better. Mm-hmm. You know, the more, the more you kind of have at least some sort of understanding of the theory, um, of what's going on. Sure. How did the gig come about with the war on drugs? Well, it's been, you know, so Adam's been, been, um, at this for, you know, for, for a long time. Uh, yeah. I can't really even remember what year it all started back in the early days. I mean, it was always a very sort of like revolving cast of characters and all kind of working on this very sort of singular vision of Adams, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we like, in the way early days, it was it was often two drummers, which which I loved. Nice. Um, yeah, I love playing playing. Uh, you and your brother ever play together? Uh, no, no, no. You don't have like a family uh, Allman Brothers cover band or something. <laughs> no, where you... We should, we should. He's an Allman Brothers fan too. First set Allman Brothers, second set all Grateful Dead. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to talk to him about it. We should put it. We'll do a gig together. And then get a third dude, and the third set will be like that new King Crimson thing where they got three drummers <laughs> yes. in the front. And Listen, these, are, this, like, these are free ideas. This is just, I'm just, I'm just, and you. I'm just riffing here. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you, it's yours to use or not. I appreciate it. I'm gonna. No I'm, I'm calling him as soon as we get off the phone. All right. Cool. And we own my parents. Uh, my my family owns a restaurant. And uh, there you go. Like, That's we where just, you do we'll the just, gig. We'll just play there. Yeah. We'll All bus tables. That was my <laughs> favorite job I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I was such a good busser. <laughs> It's such a, I mean, it's like, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard gig, but it's an easy gig. Yeah. I'm like, if somebody could pay me $25 an hour to wash dishes at a restaurant, I'm like, I would, I would do that. Dude, sense of accomplishment, you know, like a concrete <laughs> thing gets done. You know what I mean? Very Every tangible. Night. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you're done cleaned, everything. Like you cleaned everything, like clean the whole yeah. dishwasher. Da- and it's like sparkling clean. I cleaned the shit out of 200 plates tonight. Yep. Or whatever. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty great. Yeah. I had breakfast this morning. This is, okay, just full circle here in All San right. Francisco. I'm bussing tables. I had breakfast this morning with a dude that I waited on uh, when I first got that job in 1996. You had breakfast this morning in Philly with some dude that you met in with San Francisco? With a dude from San Francisco that I met when I was his busser at really? that restaurant. Uh, how many years ago was that? 22 years ago? How did that, it just became friends? And- well, yeah, he was like, what? He was like, dude, what, um, who put this music on and it was me because I was play- in the restaurant that night. I had, um, I think I was, I put on ESP, Miles mm-hmm. Davis ESP. And he was like, who put this on? Like, I need to know. Like, I need to meet this person. I was like, well, I put it on. So we just kind of became friends. He's like, oh, nice. a, he's, he's like a music freak, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, so just stayed in touch. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so what were we talking Oh, we were talking about the war on drugs. Oh, yeah. So the, the war on drugs. And so, yeah. Um, what did you have for breakfast? I feel... I'd be remiss. What did I, I have ask. for breakfast? Yeah, I had uh, I had an egg sandwich. Uh, okay, I'll always go for the egg sandwich when it's an option. Okay, diner or like in, at the mm, house? Or? It was at his. It was actually at his hotel ah, in West okay. Philly, okay. study or something like that. Anyway, okay. it was pretty good. I would rather have made it myself, but fair enough. So yeah, so then the band um, went out touring for a bunch of years as a three piece. Um, with a different drummer and then as a four piece again with a different drummer and then and, and all you know all the while sort of like in in and out of you know sort of in in the periphery of of the uh of the operation plan we do double drum stuff again or sometimes i play guitar and keyboards for like a big show or something to when it was you know wanted to make things bigger and then around 2013 I guess 12 13 started uh you know kind of touring more and then you know we made the lost in the dream record mm-hmm. and uh and we've been just sort of it's been really full time ever since so are you playing in are you playing in other because I know you were like on and off with them so I'm imagining you were gigging mm-hmm, with other mm-hmm. bands at the same time so are you playing with other bands yeah, now sure and are you playing in? Are you playing other instruments in other bands? I mean, when I when I have time, like if I know I have a, a month off, for example, I'll, you know, I've done some recording work, and you know, last year when we were off the road making our record, I was involved in 
making some other records too. Um, but like, no, there's not, you know, I haven't really been like gigging with anyone else, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, for a few years. Do you know Matt uh, Muir? Hmm. He's a how, drummer. How would I know? He's Matt. a drummer. He plays with, uh, with Ben Arnold. Do you know Ben Arnold? I know of Ben Arnold. Yeah. So he plays with Ben, but he also, he's, he's also an engineer and does a lot of recording there in the city. Um, oh, cool. What's his last name? Muir. M-U-I-R. Okay. Maddie, Maddie Muir. It's a great drummer. Yeah. I don't think good I know Matt. Too. And like he's all he's in that like he's in that scene like he knows all those guys he knows Chuck and yeah um, yeah you know and uh, and man there was a there was a really amazing guitar player from Philly named Mike Tyler do you know him no so he played on like a bunch of the he played with G Love for a while and everything I think okay. he went through some some rough times and I don't want to you know spread rumors about the guy but there was some things and then like he had some law trouble and and stuff but um hmm. which was all public but. He, man, he was, he was one of the, he was arguably one of the best guitar players I've ever seen. And like Mike Tyler, his name's Mike Tyler. Yeah. Huh. And I thought you were going to say Kevin Hansen, not, mm-hmm. not the legal troubles, but the guitar playing part. Oh no. <laughs> he's Kevin's amazing. Yeah. He's been around, he's been around the scene for, yep. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this dude was like, he was, he, he did like a bunch of stuff with Pearl Jam and like they brought, like when they come to town, like he plays with them and, and all kinds oh, wow. of stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't know if you, if you knew him or, or not. No. So once no. we start talking, we start talking about Philly guys and I'm like, oh, well, I know all these guys, you know. Right, so right. We could talk no, about that. It. I mean, that, I we love talk that about that about off air though. Philly. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, when I moved here in 2003, it was just sort of like, I was immediately struck at like how much like people come out to each other's shows and you know there was like this whole kind of like supportive community of bands going on mm-hmm. um and i you know i i think it still goes on i mean i feel like i'm a little bit removed from things having just been gone so much the last few years but right. i mean i know it, i know it exists still but um you know I, it was really cool like around that time in 2003 moving here it's just like all those bands like the Capital Years and and the Bigger Lovers and um, you know all those bands that used to just kind of mm-hmm. like support each other and go to each other's shows and, and that kind of thing. It's always been a really supportive town versus you know you go other places where sort of everybody's sort of fighting for gigs, like fighting mm-hmm. for each other's gigs, I should say. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Philly is more like there's so much there's so much of trading gigs or subbing and and all of that kind of stuff where there's no I mean, once in a while, sure, you get people who are who are thinking someone's trying to steal their gig. But by and large, it's like, yeah, I can get you into this club, or you know, oh, I'll be out of town. Yeah. You should get my buddy, and you know, you should, you totally, guys should, you guys should definitely play together. Or, yeah, I know. mean, Chuck, Chuck is like a prime example of that. He's just always like, oh, dude, you know, can you do this gig or do that gig? Like, always calling me, for, you know, to sub for him or like trying to hook me up with somebody that needed a drummer and. Yeah, you know the funny thing about Chuck Trees and who I've had Chuck on the on the podcast. I've known him for God probably fifteen years now. But um, Chuck, to me, has always been the guy that sort of stepped to the side and let other people go ahead of him. Yeah, I, I feel like he was always uh-huh. like he's like the he was always like the the connector and the conduit to the to the next. So he'd be like, oh, you should get you know. He would like help the help yeah. put this band together, and they would like. You know, they were, it was the beginning band for, uh, uh, for like John Legend, you know? Right, right, right. And then he was like, okay, go out and do your thing. And then he would like, you know, he helped G with, with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. 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 For sure. He's, yeah, I know what you mean. He's always got his hands. I dig dig that about him. I mean, I relate to that on a certain level too. You know what I mean? Like I, I love, you know, just like the, the connecting of, of, you know, of people, of things and people and, and. So I was, I was definitely like, you know, I was like, well, this is really cool. Chuck's like, you know, all about, all about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. Always, always. So what's your, what's your approach to the, to the tunes that you're working on with the war on drugs? Like what's the dynamic in the band? Is there, are you, are you writing the tunes with them or are you just recording or? Uh, we're just, you know, I mean, the, like I said, it's a very sort of like singular vision in, in that, like, I think that w- one of the reasons why the band works so well and why the dynamic works so well is that Adam, you know, has like a very clear sense of, of 
you know, what he's after. And mm -hmm. even though it's like, you know, the, the process is often, you know, like throwing tons of paint down and then sort of peeling it away to find like the, the actual, you know, root of, of, of the song or, or whatever it is. But, right. um, you know, I think that like we're all, we all share, share that vision, you know, with him. I mean, I, 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 you know, just like personally, you know, like I love the, I love the band because, you know, I love the tunes and, and I love, you know, they're my best friends too, which is great. But, you know, it's like, I feel like, you know, I appreciate it as like, as an outsider too, you know, like as like a friend, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Kinda. Yeah. 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 But, you know, so, I mean, I think we all like have our, we definitely all like have our things that we bring to the table. And, and I think Adam's also good at, you know, that at like sensing people's like strong suits and be like, Oh, like, check this out or play, you know, what, what do you, what would you do on this tune? Or, you know, like knowing what people's instincts, natural instincts might be. Right. Right. Um, so, but that's, you know, that's kind of the way it works. And obviously, you know, like you spend, uh, you know, a year more or whatever recording and then you go out and play and all, you know, immediately the songs like take a new shape and you want to like redo the record? Of course, of course. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, why did I do that? When oh, I, you know. like, why is the you know, why is the recording is like you know this thing, and now like we've played the song 150 times, and it's like this other thing. But that's also like what's cool about the whole the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the the songs live in one form on the record, and then they like maybe they you know maybe we faithfully do it that way live or you know that just takes on like a totally new shape i think that's the beauty of live music yeah for sure you know it's like you listen to it, the funny thing is like looking at a band like uh like fish right so i went to a bunch of fish shows and i was i was all in the fish and uh -huh. recently i started listening because i would never listen to their live record or to their studio records because it's like uh -huh. they're a live band recently i've been listening to more of their studio stuff just to hear like the production value and hear, and I'm like, man, these tunes sound totally different in the studio, but I kind of dig the studio version too. Like they're, and they're like, it's almost like you're getting two for one. You're getting two tunes, you know, they're the same tune, but they sound completely different. I think that's the magic of it. Like you listen to a record and then you go see it live and you're like, oh, it sounds different or it has a different energy or maybe played faster or just may have yeah. this different vibe to it. And it make it doesn't make it better or worse. It's just, it's it that's cool too for sure no yeah. i think it's interesting it's like you know how to how to how do people use the studio you know what i mean like is mm -hmm. is fish like in there trying to like capture what they do live in the studio probably not no. i mean i guess i guess to some extent but mm -hmm. you know they're probably more more so like using the studio as like as a tool and like as a different thing you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and trying to capture and obviously yeah it's like the same thing like those guys probably I don't, I'm not totally sure about their process, but I'm guessing like most of the tunes that they record are like not tunes that they've worked out, uh, uh, you know, extensively live first. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So then, then they kind of take on a new shape. Yeah. And they're a lot shorter and tighter and, you know, mm -hmm. very, it's a lot more precise. And it's like, you know, it's, it's the, their studio records sound totally different than their live records, but that's, you know, that's cool too. Less noodles. Less, definitely less noodles. <laughs> There's a lot less noodles. Heavier on the broth, lighter <laughs> yeah, on the noodles. More broth, less noodles. <laughs> so, what do you, what do you like better? Do you like playing live better, or do you like playing in the studio? Because from what I understand, you're not huge on on touring, right? Like, if it were up to you, would you stay home all the time? I love touring. You do? Yeah. I mean, I also love being at home, though. Right. So that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the dichotomy you got to do. I wish I, yeah, I wish I could put wheels on my house <laughs> and just, uh, I mean, you can, family you, with you, me. you can do that, you know? No, I mean, I love it. I'm really grateful also that, you know, my, um, family situation is such that, you know, I can tour and, you know, my, I mean, it's, it's a lot of sacrifice, you mm -hmm. know, like my wife kids. is, I have two kids. Two and kids. so when, when I'm gone, you know, like my wife has to do everything, you know, like make all the lunches and make all, you know, make breakfast and dinner and pack, make sure everyone's done their homework and like, make sure everyone's like gets to, you know, swim lessons and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. That's just a lot. And also her job is like, she's the school counselor. 
So it's like all day long she's dealing with like other kids' problems, and then it's like you know when I'm gone she's having to hold down the whole fort. Um, So it's it's a lot. It's a it's you know it's a it's a definitely like a big sacrifice. But I'm you know really grateful. Seven and eleven. Okay. Do they think? So I mean, you know, it's like they're not really interested. Well, the (laughs) the younger one, the younger one thinks it's pretty cool. Actually, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, they, they think that it's pretty cool. I mean, they, right. they like when we won the Grammy, um, my younger son was like, we were in, we were in, uh, New Zealand that day mm. and, uh, he called. He's like, "You beat Metallica." He was like, "So, so. you're like, yeah, see, Daddy's pretty cool. Yeah, maybe you need to lay off me, <laughs> lay off my shit once in a while. Your dad's pretty yeah, cool. Cut me some slack, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, my bass drum doesn't sound like a sound like a piece of ham. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fan stars. Um, so they think that it's cool, you know. I mean, they 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 have been on the bus. Like they they've toured with me a little bit, which right. is awesome. I mean, everybody, everybody at least pretends like they love having them around. I think they're, I think they do. Like everybody in the band, you know, they're, they're like, they're always all about, you know, them being around as much as, you know, our life will, will allow for it. So. Right. Does, do the, the other guys in the band have kids too? Um, a couple do. Yeah. One, one has, has a young daughter and then another has one on the way. So yeah, it's like. I think that they've like seen my my guys as and they're kind of like seeing like one version at least of like how this can all work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how like having a family and touring are not like mutually exclusive things. You right. know. So what are some of the but things that you've learned or that some mistakes that you've made? You know, trying to balance this like because it's hard. I know it's and I don't have kids. You know, like I've, I have a wife, but I don't have kids, so it's it's exponentially harder when you have kids. You know, honestly, it's like, um, there's no, there's, I don't think there's any single way to answer that because I, I, what I've even just noticed with everyone, um, regardless of whether you have kids or not, it's like whether what, what, what it takes to sort of maintain like your, your close relationships, whether it's your, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's different for everyone. Like some people like like FaceTime is like something that really is important for people. And they FaceTime like every day and talk about everything that happened that day. And and that's how they kind of stay connected. And other people like, you know, less is more in a way, you know, right. sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, like sometimes too, too much. I, I think what I found sometimes it's just, you know, just I'm always trying to find that delicate balance of like how much is, is too much communication and how much is enough, you know, like sometimes like it can make, you know, make my boys miss me more if they like see me. Right. On sort the, of out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I guess that sounds weird to say, but yeah, I mean, I, I also personally, I find that like in general, the phone, I prefer like talking on the phone mm-hmm. than like, you know, doing the, doing the, um, FaceTime thing because it's, I feel like you're a little more, I don't know, just like focuses you a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know how, I know that sounds weird, but I guess it's like for, for one thing, like with, with the kids, it's like when you, when you've got the gizmo with like the video screen and then it's like all of a sudden they're like, you know, my son will like freeze and I'm (laughs) like, okay, I get it. Like he's like pretending like our connection got like paused, but he's just like doing like a, (laughs) you know, trying to trick me or he'll like mouth like it's, you know, like right. it's muted. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Put the freaking phone on. <laughs> but anyway, just a long-winded way of saying, you know, everyone's got their own dynamic and and their own sort of balance, mm-hmm. and and it feel like it it it's you know every relationship and every every family like has a slightly um, different sort of need for for balance. Yeah, and I I like the idea. Or I like the fact that you said, you know, touring and having a family are not mutually exclusive because I think people may want to go on tour and then they have kids and then not only do they, they don't try it and fail. They just never try it because they figure, you know, 
But no, I can't do that. And I, this is a whole different conversation, but I think a lot of people make excuses to not do anything because they have kids. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, I can't, sure. oh, I can't do that. Now I have kids. And it's like, well, right. so for the next 20 years, you're not going to do anything because you have kids. Right. That's a whole different conversation that we don't need to go down that, that road. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of times people say, well, no, I, you know, uh, either I'm not going to pursue getting in another band or I'm not going to try to tour anymore or anything because, because they have kids. And I think... I think the mistake, and and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think the mistake that people think is like, I'm going to get into this band and we're going to start touring and I'm going to be on tour, you know, for three and a half years straight and never come home. Right. And, or they think of like the worst case scenario that could possibly happen. Like the, it's like the guys who quit their jobs because they want to play full time. And then they're like, right. well, I want to have time to play gigs. And it's like, well, you're not playing any gigs now. So why don't you like, <laughs> why don't you get some gigs and then cross that bridge when you cannot you can't work anymore because of the gigs right you know i mean it's also you know it's, it's also about like being with people that are you know on the same page as you and i mean you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if you're like you know if you're 20 22 and like everyone's like super freewheeling and like ready to just grind it out and you know play like 300 gigs a year like that's all it's all well and good but you know you got to be with like people that are on the same same page as you too. Right. You don't yeah. want to be with a bunch of 20 year olds when you're 45 and you have three kids. Right. You know, like, and, and they're like, we're just going to, you know, live in a van for two years. Right. Like, well, no, that's maybe not, that's, not, that's not happening. Maybe that's not going to work for us. <laughs> yeah. All due respect. Not happening. Yeah. When I was 20, I did it, you know? Sure. And loved it. And yeah. loved it. So, uh, but yeah, I love, I love touring. I love, uh, you know, I, I love the whole, I love the rhythm of it. I love, you know, the sort of like, it's like it's a little bit, of, I mean, there's a little bit of a Groundhog Day thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's also, you know, I'm just so grateful to get to see the world and, you know, travel around, you know, whatever. Just, you know, I mean, I was in Singapore last week and mm -hmm. Australia and New Zealand. And it's like as far away on the globe as you could possibly get, you know, yeah, like. It's amazing. Meet like, new people, new cultures, experience yeah, different things. people, sure. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's another whole conversation, but you know, like how, how, how you sort of experience that, like how you, how you use your, how you take advantage of that opportunity to like see, see things when you travel and not just kind of like stare at your phone, you know, or like stare at the wall in your hotel room, which I mean, sometimes you just need to decompress too. Sure. Sure. You know, like finding that balance of being adventurous and being, being, inquisitive you know like learning mm. learning about and, and it helps that's something that you know we help each other with too like there's some people in the band who are like really great about that or like you know they're like we got to go check out this this thing that's you know two miles from here some historical thing or some great museum or you know let's mm. be honest usually it's a record shop or a, or a music <laughs> store you know occasionally it's uh, something that yeah. doesn't involve your records uh -huh. <laughs> Are you the type of person that practices some sort of mindfulness or, or some, I don't want to say enlightenment, but, but it seems like you're, you're constantly thinking about that, or at least it's, it's in the front of, it's on the front of your mind. Like, you know, get off your phone, be more present, you know, sort of yeah. be more thoughtful, be more. I hope so. I mean, I try to, I mean, I try to at least, yeah. I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think it's, it's that the, the trap of, bunch of people sitting around staring at their phones is 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 definitely like a a modern uh pitfall mm -hmm. and that goes for you know being around i mean it's something that that my wife and i talk about too is like when we're at home you know it's like just sitting if i'm sitting here like looking at my phone like what does that say to like my kids you know right you know, especially like, if you're saying get off your phone yeah you know so yeah i i think that personally i try to try to be mindful of that stuff and always trying to find things to kind of add to my, you know, like I don't, I don't have any kind of like, like I don't meditate or anything like that, but mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm interested to continue to kind of explore that and, you know, explore, um, you know, spirituality a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult thing because we don't realize it, that we're addicted to it, that we, you know, you get a dopamine hit every time you, get a message on your phone or whatever it is. So it's literally, it's literally like taking drugs. And yeah. Yeah. I guess you're right. 
And so your brain is like programmed to go get more of that. So after mm-hmm. a while, it's like, I just, you know, and I've, I've been, I've noticed myself, I'm standing in line at the bank and I just pull out my phone. And as I'm scrolling through it, I'll think to myself, what am I looking at? Like, yeah, what am I doing? Like, why am I refreshing this stupid news feed that I, yes. for some reason, for whatever reason, Apple thinks that I want to see Yeah, or, or whatever it is, or, you know, why, why am I like looking at Instagram again, yes. you know, like I, I just looked, looked at, at it an hour ago or seven minutes or ago. seven minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like when, when my wife gets up to go to the bathroom and we're at the restaurant, right? Right. Oh, I'll you, sneak a peek. What do you do? Grab your phone. Yeah. And that, so I'm, I've been trying to be more conscious of not doing that and just say, no, I'm going to sit here and I'll just look around and I yeah. will take in the, the vibe and, and, and what I see is I look around and all the people at the tables are all on their phones. Right. I know, man. It's, you know. Or you just see yeah, couples not, out to dinner judging, and they just But yeah, no, it's it's uh it's it's a pretty intense intense thing and, and I don't I don't know. Like I'm I'm curious what you know I'm curious what things will look like in fifty years, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a picture on my wall and there's a concert I played uh we sold out the Trocadero in Philly and Oh yeah. And there's a picture from it's from the balcony and looks down and there's the there's no one on their phone in the crowd. So because what year was that? Because this because this picture is from 2000, 2006, maybe. OK. Right. So actually, there's one flip phones, one person with a flip phone taking a, taking a picture, one picture. There's one I'm looking at. There's one person with a phone. And I was going to ask you how now, how is that? How is that affecting you as a player on stage looking out and seeing everyone on their phone and yeah it's weird man like because it's sort of like are you why are you on that like are you bored or are you like sharing this experience with somebody right now or are you you know what i mean they're like there's so many different mm-hmm. reasons why people have their phones out. 90 percent of it is just people taking pictures and videos but they take right i'm like 700 video like why you like the, taking video like this entire show like you're like missing the show and you're never gonna watch the video again. Oh God no! <laughs> but you know anyway. Again, I sound like I'm judgy, but I, I definitely am. Just like you know, whatever. Take a picture. I do it too when I go to a gig that I I'm like, oh, this is great. I gotta take a picture to rem- remember this or whatever. But of course, like you know, like this whole like yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a little distracting. I mean, I I I feel like I I see. You know, I'm always looking around. I mean, mo- first and foremost, I'm trying to like make eye contact with everyone in the band and and kind of keep everything connected in that in that respect. But you know, I, I definitely like you know I'm facing out and like I see I see what's going on mm-hmm. out there a lot. I think more so than like Adam, who's like you know he's singing and he's got his eyes closed a lot and he's like in a different his vantage point is a little different. Even though he's like right up closer to it, he like right. actually sees less. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, you know, John, who's also like next to me in the back, like he all, he also notices a lot like what's going on. And yes, it's, it's, it's it's definitely like distracting a little bit when you're just like, why, why are you on your phone right now? And I definitely don't think it's because they're bored because you see people freaking out and they're like, (laughs) ah, and then they grab, and they grab their phone and they're, you know, I don't know, man. Sometimes you get a bored one. (laughs) Well, yeah. Once in a while. Like I'm up here, I'm up here shredding. You know what I mean? Like what do you? Why are you playing words with friends right now? Well, you got to, you know, a break. It's probably the drama. Maybe, maybe, maybe so, you got to step up your maybe game. Shred, maybe I got to step up my game. Hey, maybe we're shredding too hard. You know <laughs> what I mean? That's what it they is. They just need a break. They got to play some Scrabble. They got to <laughs> chill, chill out. They need they, to they decompress. Their faces, yeah, their faces were rocked too hard. They got to <laughs> play a little Minesweeper. <laughs> decompress. Hey, any whatever makes you sleep better at night, is, I'm cool with. You know. Yeah. Much <laughs> respect. Uh, well, I think that that is a good place to stop because I think we've melted everyone's face with this, uh, with this conversation. <laughs> now I'm going to, now I'm going to go play some Minesweeper. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I was playing, I was playing words with friends the, the whole time we were talking. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, That's Hey funny. man, that was you, that was you that I was playing. <laughs> yeah. oh. Hey man, what word can I make with S S S S L T? That's always that I gave up that game about ten years ago. But when I used to play it, I would always get like the shittiest rack. You're like, yeah, I've like I've I've no I've all consonants. What am I gonna do here? Yeah. Anywho, oh, I, I played, played Scrabble a couple days ago. Yeah, I don't think I've ever 
I don't think I've uh I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and played Scrabble. You should do that next time like you're at a restaurant instead of looking at your phone. Just <laughs> break out a giant Scrabble board. <laughs> yeah, but like what's the difference? You guys are on your phones, yeah, my wife you, and I are gonna you know, sit here and play some Scrabble. Yeah, and we might play Battleship after yeah, this. Don't judge. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't judge me. All right. The face melting continues. Right, Charlie, I appreciate it, man. I I, I love uh, connecting with people that are from my hometown especially, but uh, and just for the record, man, I've been listening to you guys for a very long time and oh, have thanks, always man. dug it. And I'm excited that you guys are getting more and more notoriety. You guys like obviously you guys just won a, a freaking Grammy Award, which is amazing. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, big fan. And I have been for a while and I'm going to continue to listen to you guys. And, and I'll catch you guys when you guys are either here or, you know, when I'm back home or whatever. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really uh, it's great talking to you. And Likewise. thanks for doing what you do of course man and uh you're welcome back anytime so thanks again thanks man i'll talk to you soon all right brother thanks bye there you have it charlie hall from the war on drugs to check out everything that we talk about to get the show notes all that stuff you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session three seven eight also if you want to get my monday mix which is a mix of new podcasts new reading suggestions new music suggestions stuff to watch on youtube or netflix or whatever it is and a bunch of other stuff that you may find interesting just go to drummersresource.com forward slash mix and i will send nick's monday mix right to your inbox every monday morning check it out drummersresource.com forward slash mix m-i-x And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. I love you, and I will be talking to you soon. Peace.